Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Shiggity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, my fine metal yes! friends. Welcome, what the hell, to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. Uh, how you doing? I am Chickity Chuck. I am Godless. And this is your weekly examination we of all. all things metal, the Metal Sucks Podcast. We post it every Monday, uh, of course, right here at MetalSucks.net, as well as on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe, give us five stars, tell us we suck. Uh, Please. Because, uh, and, and use you know proper SEO words because people like to search for stuff. Yeah, nobody writes reviews. Nobody on that's, that's, I don't do care that. about reviews. Just click five stars. All right, you can get. No, the reviews are good. Yeah, they can tell us how bad we are. That's 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 yeah, what I like. But then go five stars. Yeah, five stars. It's yeah. all good. <laughs> this episode, we are going to talk to uh, Moss, dude. This was a good interview, man, from uh, Tesseract. Oh, kick ass! And uh, he, he was um, he was really like what was crazy was meeting the dude. He was kind of bundled up in a hoodie, and you just didn't kind of realize how small. And he he was kind of a kind of a wafy looking dude, and, and skinny, and we, and, and we were skeptical going into it because he's the bassist. Yeah, well, you know, and and then you see him on stage. Holy shit! Yeah. It's like he's a, he just comes out of his shell, and he's got hair down to his ass, and he's just all he's a monster on stage. It was it, and, it was awesome. And dude. while we were doing the interview, I was like, "Oh man, Tesseract fans are gonna love this." Yes, but you listen back to it again, and you're like, no, it's funny. No, he's a, he's "Everybody's a, he's gonna a love funny this. dude. He, he's a really funny guy." Cool. And we talked a lot because Tesseract has had a lot of ups and downs over the years. You know, with uh, what five different lead singers and just. Two albums or something yeah. like that. So it's it's been an interesting ride for those guys. We talk a lot about that in this interview with uh, with Moss from uh, Tesseract, and we'll have that coming up for you as well as something from uh, Conquering Dystopia, uh, Jeff Loomis's uh, new project, and, and Alex uh, Webster's. Yeah, and Alex Webster as well. That dude. I don't know how many more like instrumental projects that guy could do, but we'll talk <laughs> about that here in a little bit. Uh, first, though, we talked last week about Worshipper. A lot about Worshipper <laughs> and this band called Worshipper that apparently doesn't exist. And I don't know if they just, you know. They false flagged us. I think they tra- they totally trolled us. It's like, <laughs> son of a bitch. Nick Hippa going and buying buying any any website he could find with a W in the front of it to, to throw us off. I can't believe that Worshipper was available. I mean, that's, I, that's crazy That's actually, yeah, good point. You probably couldn't get that for 15 bucks from GoDaddy. I'll bet you you got to spend a little bit of cash to get that. A couple hundred at least. Yeah. I mean, that's money he could be. If he does own it, they can. that's going to be tour money. You know, yeah. he can sell that to, what's his name, that dude on Sunday morning, uh, that big uh, preacher out of Dallas. He, he can make some money off of that. Uh-huh. He, he can parlay that, oh, that into something else. The Woven War is the name of the new project from As I Lay Dying. I actually prefer band. Worshipper. <laughs> I really do. Well, at least it's obvious. Man, you know it, what it's it, all about. It's like it's like a it's like a Kurt Cobain lyric. Woven War is the name of the band. And uh Sean Blay Sean Shane Shane Blay Shane Blay is uh from O Sleeper is the uh is the new lead singer of it. And we were we were reading the thing about him pulling double duty because a lot of people have made made hay about him leaving O Sleeper to go to this new project. And uh <laughs> he's got 
Oh sleeper tattooed on his chest. Yes. Is that what is that what he said? That's in that what statement? he said. So he's not planning on leaving O Sleeper. He now, can't I, ever now, leave O Sleeper if he's got O Sleeper I, tattooed I on his chest. That's the thing is I think most people read that as he loves his old band so much that he's never gonna leave it. I read it as I tattooed my ass. <laughs> and I can't <laughs> not, so I can't leave. Uh yeah, there's no there's no would he just put a question mark behind it or <laughs> Whatever. You know, that that's like the kiss of death. It's like what everybody who gets tattoos tells you yeah. is don't ever tattoo a chick's name on your body because right. as soon as you tattoo a chick's name on your body, she's gonna cheat on you. Uh-huh. You know, that's like that's that that's what's gonna happen and you're gonna hate yourself for the rest of your life. I I have my old lady's name tattooed on me and so far yeah, so good. Totally we we we've that. been okay. Huh. Yeah. We, so I, I bucked that rule and so far so yeah. good. Uh-huh. At least to my knowledge anyway. I'm always a metal show, so you know, never know what's going on over here. <laughs> could, could be about a thousand different things that are happening. But if you're in a band or if you're a fan of a band, why would you ever have your band's name tattooed on you? Is that something that, that is that something that people do? I mean, oh yeah, man. Why would you do that? Oh, I have no idea. I don't know why people get tattoos in the first place. But I mean, that's I've, just me. I mean, I've seen that 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 there's that one guy that's got Randy Rhodes tattooed on his back, and then he's got every metal band from the '80s logo tattooed around it, in, like in really shitty tattoos. You know, mm-hmm. it's like that guy. Uh, whatever that guy. That's yeah. he's an anomaly. But I mean, would you? I can understand maybe taking a lyric from a band or. Yeah, some of their artwork or something. Like I've seen really cool Iron Maiden sleeves and stuff like that. Like, okay, maybe that, but I don't know. I mean, man. Even like Metallica. I mean, you put a Metallica tattoo on your ass in nineteen eighty six. By nineteen ninety six, you're going, Oh, <laughs> oh man. man, damn it. Uh, right? Yeah, see, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like you wh- why would you ever do that? Or is there somebody that you could tattoo on you that would stand the test of time? If I got Lemmy well, tattooed yeah, on I think, me. I think that's part of the thing is people think, oh, well, if I put my band on, I'm always going to be doing my band, or at least I'm always going to remember it and how awesome it is, which is like, okay, you get it on the small of your back or you put it on your ankle or something like that. But you put it on your chest. You put it on your chest. Oh, man, you are screwed. Because to me, it'd be like, okay, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm Shane Blay and, I, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, I need a new tattoo. Yeah, and I really love this band. This is this yeah. is what has made me. This is everything that I want. You know, right. everything that I want. What would I? I would go with an album title, or I would go with a song lyric, or something like that, or something something there. You know. So do you think that like he gets Wowa on his chest too? You know, like, and then he's got to like make sure that they're the same font size and <laughs> who goes above who, and I mean all that. That's like. Ah, you can't not get a Wawa. I mean, if you're if you're Nate tattoo. Johnson who just got kicked out of fit for an autopsy and you got uh, your bands yeah. tattooed on you, you would have to have a laundry list going down <laughs> yeah. the side of it. <laughs> Can I tell a quick story? Okay. All right. So, quick story. So, like back in college, I had a band, right? And we had this, uh, you know, very very you know uh, iconic logo. One of the guys in the band was a graphic designer. Did a great job. We got this iconic logo. We had the singer for the band. The guy never showed up to practices. It was just frustrating, right? So. Uh, eventually, my brother's in the band as well. One day he shows up for practice, like uh, 45 minutes late. And he goes, hey guys, look at this. And he pulls down his shirt and there on his shoulder is the band tattoo logo tattooed on his on his arm. Okay. My right. brother turns to him and goes, I'm really sorry, man, but we've talked about it and you're kicked out of the band. <laughs> at that moment, he kicks him out of the band, right? Years go by. My brother ends up being a pro musician. He's on tour, a whole thing. I mean, like a decade, more than a decade goes by. 
and he sees a mutual friend at some festival in California, and he's like, hey, man, whatever happened to that guy? And he goes, oh, sad story, man. He hung himself from a tree back in our hometown and killed himself. And I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> that's hardcore, man. That's no good. <laughs> but like my brother immediately is like, I hope it wasn't because I kicked him out of the bed. <laughs> that's where it all started my life was going great until that moment right. right there and there the moral of the story is never get your band logo tattooed <laughs> on, on your body you anywhere <laughs> anywhere unless it's a solo project and you own a hundred percent of the stuff man uh, even then dude i mean you just gotta do uh, you think about you think about okay with the woven war thing with the with the oh sleeper Whoa, thing uh. Uh, what if you're a huge fan of Asla Lady Dying and they're no longer a band anymore? Is right. that just a moment in time now? Is that now it's you're frozen in there? I mean, at least Asla Lady Dying is a book title, so I mean, there there's other things in there, but but it just seems like that's just a bad idea. Oh yeah, people's I, names on the or band names. It's just really. I still remember standing behind it's a guy a at like Lollapalooza in like 1991. He had his entire back was Ned's Atomic Dustbin, and I remember like <laughs> as soon as I saw them do that S A T U R D A Y night cover, like a year later, I'm like, oh, <laughs> that, that guy's gonna... hating that. <laughs> I bet he's hating it. And then like six months after that, they broken up. Because like, every really everybody falls off. Every yeah. every something happens. You know, like I, I work at I work at a a radio group cluster with a bunch of them, and they're always like, "We need to put this artist on the side of the van." I'm like, "As soon as you do this, put this artist on the van, they're gonna rape somebody. It mm-hmm. happens every time, yeah. or they're gonna cut off their penis and, and, and try to kill van. themselves <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> you know." And now, and now you gotta, oh man, we can't take that out anymore. But I was like, that's why you don't do that kind of stuff. Well, and here's the question about Shane Blade: Did he like? All right, so you get the call. And he's like, hell yeah, because they're going to make money more than and yeah. Metal Sucks. I mean, no sleepers. Band, yeah, right? Yeah. And so he's immediately, but do you think he goes, oh, but what about my tattoo? It's got to be one of the first thoughts that goes through his head. What about my tattoo? I mean, it was obviously top of his mind because it was exactly. in his statement. So, exactly. You know, I'm gonna like, leave I got it tattooed on my chest, man. Right. That's how dedicated I am to this band. So when Wawa, or the rest of the band can kick him out and he'll wind up hanging himself from a tree. So, <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, what happens when Wawa goes, hey, look, we're going on this, you know, like endless tour. Okay, and what, what are you going to do? Let me see here. I'm going to see if I can turn O Sleeper into Woven War. <laughs> totally. Good I'm luck gonna, with I'm going to start sketching some stuff. <laughs> Wow, this thing's going to be like 10 inches tall. It's going to be a lot of black there. And don't, uh, I mean, if I'm a member whoa, of, of WoWa, I'm upset if my singer's got his shirt off advertising some other band at my show, that, and you're acting like you're more like uh-huh. into your old band than you are my band. If you, if you don't get a tattoo of my band right above well, your no, 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 no. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think that's, that's of any concern. Cause, I mean, but do you think Shane should have left O Sleeper? Well, no, I don't. I don't think you should have left O Sleeper. I don't, I don't think that 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 part of the dynamic is nothing to do with the tattoo. Like, like he he can stay with them, he can leave them. He, you know, right. they can do whatever. I mean, because they're going to be known as the former Azalea Dying Band forever, no matter what. It doesn't matter. That's how they're going to be known. So that yeah. does that doesn't matter. It you know any of that stuff doesn't play. I'm just thinking about why would you do something permanent to your body that that could potentially be. It's just a bad decision, you know. I mean, it, it just seems like you would make a a, a different choice. I mean, I love to, you look but at how's, uh, that how's that different from any tattoo? Well, shut up, dude. I know, Tattoos but I'm, cool. I'm asking you because you should be t- able to tell me. 
Well, the difference is, is that, that, I mean, if you're going to get tattooed, what you choose is you choose good art. Okay. You know, you choose something that is some art that you love, or you choose a topic that you love, or even, even if it is band related, most of the time, the most successful tattoos of bands are ones that have a huge legacy and it's drawn from their visual design. So that's why like the, the one I've seen of a full sleeve of Eddie and all this, uh, of all the Iron Maiden is some of the coolest stuff I've ever seen. And you would have thought, though, that like Iron Maiden would be impervious, but then you got accusations of the drummer beating his wife and stuff, right? Yeah, but you, I, it doesn't like that doesn't matter. Like, the, like, like what I'm saying is, is that, that I'm saying it's but, capable of. But the difference is, is that it, it's not the Iron Maiden lettering across your chest that says Iron Maiden. Okay, it's it's the artwork, and you love the artwork, and the artwork represents something that's above above and beyond the band. It's part of the band, but at the same time, it's it's art. And that can be ex- extrapolated from everything else. Like if you wanted, e- even though Mustaine's a douchebag, if I wanted to ha- do uh, what's his head, what with the uh, Rattlehead, Eddie Rattle or uh, Rattlehead or whatever, Eddie Rattlehead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't, I don't know where they came up with that idea. Uh, uh, but if you want to do a whole Rattlehead thing on your arm or on a part of your body, I'm totally, I'm totally behind that. There's because it has nothing to do with the personalities of the band. You're not getting the Megadeth logo tattooed on you. It's when you get logos and stuff like <laughs> that. Or you get do names, not get a Megadeth tattoo logo. <laughs> that, please. Go do it. If you do, tweet us. Yeah, at, at Bearded yeah. Ape. If you got if you got a badass Megadeth t- tattoo, I want to see that picture. And it's at the Bearded logo. Ape on Twitter. Hell yeah. Well, no, I want to see. I want to see anybody's Megadeth. Any t- Megadeth? T- totally. I do. I, I want to see them, especially right. if, if if it's bad. If it's really bad, like yeah. that's, I will retweet the shit out of that yeah, thing. Yeah. See, people should be proud of bad tattoos. But uh, dude, but like, you don't want a bad. Like child, look at that! Yeah, look at that tattoo. Right. Look so how you, ter- you got a little penguin. Look at how terrible that little penguin is a right little, there. <laughs> that was like somebody's first tattoo this or something. Is right? My friend's third tattoo ever. Third tattoo ever. Is what it is, <laughs> and it is the worst tattoo that I have on my body, and it is it's terrible. It's like the first one everybody sees, and every time, well, it's, yeah, it, and and every time. <laughs> She sees it because I see her out all the time. She's like, we need to cover that thing up. We need, we need to do something with that. I'm like, no, I won't do it. I'm like, this is part of your legacy. And she's like, I know. I don't want it to be part of my legacy. But see, I don't want anybody else's legacy on my body. Yeah, I mean, but that's what I'm saying is that, that you separate yourself a little bit by pulling from the artwork because it's also a moment in time. Yeah. Like if I'm getting a seventh son of a seventh son tattoo on my body, then that's that album. That's that moment in time. Right. And, or if I'm getting a, a album lyric or something like that, that's that song, that moment in time that means something to me. It has nothing to associated with the person that is involved in that thing. If I get a Megadeth logo, then it's like I'm endorsing the band even more. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, so it's more now like it's you're everything you're attaching everything that's surrounding right. the band. And and to me that's I think I guess the kind of big difference between between the two. I don't know. I want more. And distance. I don't. I want to see. I I don't think I've seen. I need to look up some pictures and see what is what is uh, O yeah. Sleeper tattoo looks like. Yeah. Because you never know. It might be a song lyric. And or we're an album talking out our ass. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, we're talking out our ass every. That's what we do. <laughs> Hell yeah. I mean that's that that's why we're here. That's right. Interview. Oh, we need to talk to Moss. This is a pretty decent one. I think you'll like it. We got to talk to him when they were in Austin at the Dirty Dog Bar. Uh, and got to see Cloud Kicker. Oh, that that was good stuff too. Oh no, see, I enjoyed it. I I love me some Cloud Kicker. I yeah. love it recorded. I just live. I, well, you know, 
you know, if you know that you're whatever, gonna you, be boring as all get out. If you're standing, if like, you're standing at the back of the room and going, "This is not entertaining," you need to be at the front. No, he should. Right. The place was packed, and and I'm not going up front when it's uh, packed. You know, I'd have whatever. to like you know Thought dry Kicker clean my shirt. It was a great show, uh, and looking forward to. Uh, Seeing those guys again, man, and hearing some new Tesseract here someday soon, maybe. Come on, guys, get to work. You got a new lead singer now. Intronaut in that bill too. Intronaut, but I didn't. I didn't get to see Intronaut that night. Oh, okay. I I left there and went to go see Seven Dust play acoustic oh. that night. They were playing the same nights, but we 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 took Moss next door over to Casino El Camino. Had had a couple of drinks and uh, got to talk to him for a little while. It's our interview with Moss from Tesseract on the Metal Sucks podcast. Hey, well, thanks for joining us. Pleasure. Thank you. Uh, Chuck Godless from the Metal, Metal Sucks, Sucks Podcast. So very good to have you again in Austin, man. I've yeah, it's a pleasure to come back to this place, man. It's really cool. It's like the uh, alternative capital of almost the U.S., I'd say. You know, you got this and maybe San Francisco. Uh, everywhere else just seems a little square compared to these places, if you yeah, know what, what I mean. what pisses you off about the United States when you guys have to tour here? nothing oh come on that's seriously no no i mean it's the u.s is really extreme you you know you've got without going into politics because i'm not exactly up to speed on all the shit you've got everybody on the left that they seem to look and throw shit at everybody on the right who turns around and throws shit back at them and from us as an external point of view you guys are pretty much all the same and it's really funny so we, we don't see any uh there's nothing that really gets to us at all. Like, I tell you, the first time we came here, it took us a while to get used to the fact that everybody smiles when they um, are serving you and everybody's, like, really happy. And at first we thought that was weird because in the UK everybody's miserable as hell. You know, it's like there's no such thing as being nice to a customer. It's just strange. And that got to us, but that's, like, the only thing. Now we're totally used to it. Like, to be honest, we don't notice accents anymore. Uh, I mean, we've probably been here like six or seven months in a, in terms of the amount of time that we've been touring here. So we got very used to the place. It's almost, for lack of a better word, it's almost home. And um, yeah, I guess we're still on like a little bit in tourist mode. So that's maybe why I'm not getting fed up with anything. You know? <laughs> it, it takes a little bit to get over that, right? You still, uh, you go see the sights, get the food. You yeah, know, and, yeah. then, and then after that, then you realize uh, under that smile everybody hates you anyway <laughs> <laughs> but i would figure it'd be like ah man the drives suck yet your 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 food sucks you know all the, the laws stink or the cops are a hassle something like that uh, i think that's the thing we're just way too easy going you know <laughs> um yeah uh, driving through louisiana sucks okay <laughs> the roads are hell like i i can't even uh begin to explain how i could not sleep whilst going through that state but at the same time 
Louisiana is a great state, so um, you know the, the shitty roads is nothing to really complain about. Well, um, then again, it's not death metal either, so you know you no, can't be angry no. all the time when you. Yeah, this mean, is it. I mean, we're know. not really metal, no, are we? But, you know, it's, uh, it's a little more relaxed and laid back. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it's got a whole different uh, vibe to it. You know? There's yeah. enough things in this world to piss you off rather than make you yourself making yourself angry about everything. So, right. Uh, so what pisses you off? Um. Having to wait for band members to get to get up and go in the morning, basically. That's my one thing, really, that just gets on my nerves. I'm like, okay, we're supposed to leave at 11. It's like half past 11. You guys haven't even showered yet. Get the fuck out of there and get to, you know, that's the only thing that gets me. You know, so. <laughs> do, do you have to, like, hire, like, um, like a total Nazi as a road manager or, you, or what do you do uh, no 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 I mean you can't in, have an easy going road manager no no you can't it's a shame actually like I like one of my closest friends is my uh, road manager in the in Europe and she her other job is uh, she tour manages a burlesque group so she has to be really strict with them because they're just drunk all the time and the crowd are really like they go over the top they think it's like their right to be able to touch them so she's like kind of really extreme and then she comes and works with us who are like you know nobody's going to try and touch us for one <laughs> thing but um, secondly we're also chilled you know it's uh, it's it's so she's kind of crazy in that respect but at the same time you know I love the girl so I, I just let her do what she wants to do you know again also being a girl in the metal industry is pretty tough so she kind of takes it to the next level and she'll butt heads with people just for the sake of butting heads you know so. <laughs> well it's funny we just had that topic on last week's show all right where we were talking to um, a uh, female reporter yeah uh, uh, a journalist in the metal world and she was basically saying you know very first interview i did with a band uh, i got groped and oh, that's happened man. many times afterwards and so you know immediately i'm like who i want to know who it's true shame the fucker but she's like no because it's my job and if i start i get known as the person who has done that, and I totally sympathize with that. I understand, yeah. yeah. At the same time, it's so not the right. the question is, like, who have you guys been groping? Ah, <laughs> yeah, just each other. That's it. You know, you get lonely. <laughs> you know, we've, we've all in, we're all in long-term relationships or married, and it's like, you know, none of that shit goes on with Tesseract. Um, but, you so, yeah. you, but seeing that with your road manager in Europe, seeing what she's going to go through, yeah. you guys see it firsthand. Yeah, I mean, it's... Um, it's pretty crazy to, especially in, um, like, I, I, I'm not trying to stand on a pedestal and say that Western Europe is better than Eastern Europe, but um, we do find it difficult. The attitude in Eastern Europe can be quite tough towards uh, girls in the uh, music industry in general. Like in Russia as well, uh, not had a great time over there. Um, we've just... Uh, the band had a great time but we're all guys and we're in the band so we get treated very well but like our, our tour manager wasn't treated very well and then the last time I went out there with my fiance she wasn't treated very well just because they looked at her and they were like well either you're a groupie or you're a prostitute and I'm like what the f yeah so I mean that kind of attitude still kind of prevails a little bit in Eastern Europe um, it's getting a lot better though and it is you know, a minority, but the fact that it happens at all sucks. And you end up having to have arguments with people who don't understand what you're saying half the time, and it's like, oh. Uh, it's, it just shouldn't be that way, man. You know? Well, I mean, you see the same thing in the States. I mean, 
it's a north-south thing here in the states. Yeah, yep. not, not just the misogyny thing, but just attitudes about it, all kinds of different things. Yeah. So I mean, uh, things change though, don't they? Yeah, no, totally. I think we're all moving towards a slightly more equal um, standpoint. In most things, I hope so. Anyway, maybe. <laughs> So four easygoing guys. You guys have been doing this for eight years, and now you get this new guy who seems, in the interviews I've seen, he seems pretty easygoing. He is. So, but you guys have had four other vocalists, so yeah. there's got to be like a rule list that you had for him. Like, you can't do these <laughs> eight part, things. Was it part of the interview, like the process? When you're <laughs> exactly. No, to be honest. Um, you got to know what's wrong with the singer before, when just looking into his eyes at this You can't point. do that until you tour with someone. You really, until you've spent six weeks in a very small, confined space, you just cannot know whether the person is the right person. Um, ultimately, and I know it sounds weird because, you know, this is a bunch of friends really doing their thing, but ultimately it's about the voice you know they really have to be what we're looking for and that's what ash is basically exactly what we're looking for um he's where we have been heading for a long time in terms of vocals um he doesn't have particularly strong typical metal vocals but then we've always wanted to move away from that so it's not a problem for us and we're lucky enough that it turns out that he's a really cool guy as well, you know. Right. Everybody has their little things that niggles other people and you go, ah, oh, come on. Or like, he's why are you in the shower for 45 minutes? Yeah. That, things like that, you <laughs> he's know. He's a singer, that's yeah, what they yeah. do. But, uh, you know, that's, it's like being in a family, you know. You're going to hate what your brother or your sister does now and then, but it's your brother or your sister, so it's cool. Um, so you kind of don't let those things take over and... Like I say, we're fortunate enough that he's a, a easygoing character, but also a really nice character that we've had so much fun over the last, uh, what is it, like 18 months since we've been uh, had Ash in the band. It's just been so much more positive on stage. And uh, yeah, we're just really lucky from that respect. Did you guys have an idea of what you wanted to do, vocal melodies and that sort of thing with your new material? Or were you just wanting that aesthetically and hoping somebody could bring that to the songwriting process uh obviously myself and Akul are um producers and we do have ideas but we were very surprised that all we had to do is just let ash be ash and he's got enough of the similar 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 sensibilities um for it to work i was blown away by his demo and i kind of kicking myself because we took a long time like we got his demo within about a week or two of actually looking for people and for some reason we took a very long time to actually say come on let's do this ash you know we tried loads of different people and i just wish we'd started there and then because maybe we'd be six months down the road and maybe we'd be working on album three now and what did you take that time to do did you was there like i think we were, were just, just kind of like man we were reticent of jumping into anything again because yeah. we'd done that with Dan we'd done that with Elliot um, so we were thinking alright let's take it easy this time but then again you know if the music's good there's no need to rush it I suppose you know hopefully the people will still like what we're putting out regardless of whether it comes out now or six months down the line you know so but obviously labels put pressure on you and that so maybe things might have been more straightforward if we'd have just jumped the gun but we weren't to know and we'd been burnt before in the past 
burnt's the wrong word. That sounds a bit wrong. But we'd uh, things hadn't worked out in the past, so um, we wanted to make sure it was. 100% right. What is the one thing that every band should be warned about when it comes to vocalists? They really don't do much. You know. <laughs> and they carry a microphone and a mic stand and that's it. Oh, they uh. don't carry the microphone, dude. No. You watch when I set up today. I'm going to set the stage up and Ash will walk on and go, hey. And, you know, everybody loves it. But at the same time, there's an awful lot of pressure on them. You know, they carry the weight of the world on their shoulders. Some people doesn't phase them at all. Others, they actually really feel it. And especially when you're starting out with a band, like when Ash started with us, there was a massive reputation already. And he's like, okay, not only have I got to be the singer of this band, but I've got to be a good singer of this band that everybody thinks I'm better than the other guys. And let's face it, you know, we've been blessed when it comes to finding vocalists um everyone we've worked with has had a quality that's been extra you know really special compared to the other other vocalists out there when we were working with abby way way back before we were signed he had a quality that was very soulful and totally unlike anything else maybe a bit like say bands like seven dust or that you know it's a very different style then when we worked with dan he brought this whole new vibe to the music which was this guy is technically very very good at what he does then when we worked with Elliot he had another soulful element and now Ash is like I've got to stand up to these guys <laughs> so fortunately I think he actually thrives under pressure so from that respect it was pretty good you know well what's weird is is that you know we've interviewed a lot of lead singers yeah you know, recently and they all have one thing that seems to be pretty common is they all have got some kind of anxiety about being on stage or they have like a, a wow. lot of them have trouble with it or yeah. it's the one time where they sort of feel comfortable but at the same time it's re- this real anxious sort of feeling yeah. it's that. a um, I think a lot of people only feel alive on stage yeah. which is why people get into a lot of problems you know when they're off tour they're at home and they just end up you know drinking or going going way over the top to try and relive that vibe when you know there's so many cool things you could be doing out there you know being on stage is amazing and it's i've been doing it since i was about three or four so it is the only way that i know to be but at the same time you know i've got a great life outside of this as well and i want to be able to enjoy that and i think people forget that they lose perspective like the way that i try to without trying to sound like a self-help tape sorry (laughs) um the way that i deal with like and I, I I really wish vocalists could somehow learn this is the ego that you have on stage is like a jacket that you put on when you walk on stage as soon as you walk off stage take it off and you have no stress seriously none of the insecurities or none of the because the it's almost ego, a character that you're playing, yeah yeah you for know. sure but the ego boost you get from being on stage is very addictive so as soon as I was able to just it's maybe it's almost a bit more like armor, you know. You go on stage, you put the ego armor. That sounds on. more metal. It, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you get your sword or your axe out. Yeah, you slay the crowd. You take the armor off and you go home and fuck your wench. All that shit, you know. <laughs> so what, you said you started performing in that young. What were, what, did, oh, what were you doing? Crazy what, things like. Um, were you one singer? The, were you? Uh, yeah, no, the most no. Awesome no. brown note, even at six. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the first sort of performance thing of Zoom is like an Indonesian percussion. It's called gamelan, and it's 
it's beautiful and um, it's like an ensemble of just percussion instruments and everything's way out of tune because it's all hand built by um, people that have no access to like common metering and tempering so that got me to just perform as part of a group from a very young age and then I started working in like western orchestras as a percussionist and you really can't screw up when you're a snare drum player or a cymbal player or you know you got to be on it and and then just with bands as well from really young from like 10 or 12 I was always working in bands as like a bass player or guitarist or drummer and occasionally a singer but there's not much call for my kind of voice nowadays you know (laughs) what are you doing What's your what's your what's your voice? Oh, my voice is very similar to this. You know? You're like a little deep. Uh, yeah, I can't really get any higher. At all. Or no, no, it's just trying to sing like everyone else. But I never realized I was like an octave below everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd be singing like a Nirvana cover. Yeah, yeah. Now imagine Kurt Cobain and Barry White. You know, it's just like, <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> like, what's that? The Tinder Sticks was that the voice uh, the band like back in the nineties? Yeah, the singer just did that. Yeah, real totally low. Yeah, wow. That's awesome, I could probably do typo negative, but that's it. You know. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say you get the Peter Steele. Yeah, yeah man. looking for somebody. <laughs> uh, so, is percussion your first love, or is uh, just um, rhythm in general? Just music. Sounds very um, holistic and hippie to talk like that, but oh, but to be honest, if I can hit it and it makes noise, great. Yeah. Which is why bass is a bit more attractive to me than guitar. But like, for example, I'll. I also play sitar and um, piano, and to me, they're all percussion instruments because you're just smacking something, really. Um, yeah, I, d- I, d- I haven't really been able to be a drummer for a very long time, but I kind of see myself as a drummer that just uses a bass guitar instead of a snare drum. Yeah. It's it kind of that's kind of what makes um, Tesseract maybe slightly different. That I probably will. S- not be doing what other bass players would be doing I'll be doing a lot of percussive stuff and almost myself and Jay the drummer will be kind of crossing roles every now and then and that then uh, that influence then spread to Ako on the guitar and so he's developed a lot of like percussive movements as well and then when you've got James as well the other guitarist you know all of us working together doing this it sounds like there's a massive drum kit on stage sometimes so um, it's pretty cool that I've got a, a partner and a drummer that um, allows me the room to do that. And that uh, working with Ako as well, he allows the depth for the bass guitar to take so much. Um, I wouldn't say it's center stage, but certainly a lot. some of the music is built from the bass guitar up, which is quite unusual in metal. Yeah, I was going to say, we, we, we make a, a lot of hay out of making fun of bass players in heavy yeah, metal. Yeah, do it. You know? Bass players <laughs> have got some of the biggest egos in the world. Seriously. I'm, I'm, as far as essential in songwriting, a lot of time that yeah. bass or take a little bit of a backseat, but with you guys and with the style that you guys are doing, it's, it's almost essential. I'm sure it's very common knowledge that we take a lot of influence from Sugar. Simply... nothing they do is um, a showpiece they don't do anything to show off it's all about the groove it's all about the whole the one complete the band as a whole but a lot of what they do is in some ways quite similar to like Rage Against Machine as well it's like it's a load of bass guitar riffs on guitar you know there's with stuff on top but it's not the essential bit you could throw away a lot of that stuff so long as you had drums bass and the guitar just filling out the gaps it would 
it works really well you know um and that's you know we half of what we write is like that where it's kind of rhythm focused then half of what we write is where we'll do say what a traditional classical composer would do where they just start with melody and then the whole song would explode from that like for example the first three tracks off the new album um which we call uh the movement of, that's called of matter it's pretty much all based around synth sounds and guitar lines like like single string guitar lines and then for example off some of the older stuff uh april for example is all built around just this kick drum and bass guitar loop the whole track is just the same rhythm you make it sound so easy it is, man. Yeah, like every musician at home listening to this is like, oh, somebody hit that snare so we can uh, get our own song. <laughs> like, that's right. I promise you, everything we do is super simple. You just need to appreciate that we put a lot of simple things together at once and it sounds complicated as a result. Right. Uh, we're not mathematicians or geniuses like... Uh, like I think Meshuggah are quite extreme with their... Didn't somebody say that like every drum beat in Meshuggah is actually just 3-4? <laughs> Oh no no! It's it's all based on a four four yeah, like basic a, four yeah, four track. Like it's, it's just a click. Yeah yeah yeah. We're kind of the same, but we kind of forget that the four exists, and it's just a pulse, just like a one 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 one. In a, I mean that may disappoint quite a lot of people to hear that, and I I, I sometimes see it when I speak to people. They ask me a question. You see it in their eyes. The oh. hope dies, and you're like, <laughs> I'm really sorry. I'm not clever. I'm not genius. I'm not. What do you think I am? But the reality is you're getting hung up on things that are stopping you from writing music you want to write. It's Even if it takes you three weeks to write a track, it takes you three weeks. It doesn't matter. Don't write the whole thing at once. You've got to build it brick by brick. You know? um, but that takes discipline because you always want to run, don't you? You always want to get to the end. And Like some of us, we, we will hear a track in our head, the whole thing, and but you have to try and then cut that dissect that up and build it which is really tough you plus, know. plus you gotta throw it through the filters of everybody else in the band yeah. I mean you talked about how no matter what you have in your head yeah. the singer starts doing his thing on top of it yep. it might be completely different Yeah, and well, you just hope it makes you something that you fall in love with yeah right? I mean nobody is an island you know they don't live on their own we, we all have to share everything so that's what makes um music great though the compromise um sometimes you do have visionaries who manage to create everything like well uh, I, I was just about to say devin townsend but then one of my favorite devin townsend tracks was actually a collaboration between devin and his drummer ryan which is super crush it's and it all it came from was just this really simple ba bum ba bum ba bum then he's got a whole five minute track that's insanely beautiful just from that tiny little rhythm so there's an example of yeah collaboration spawning something that is far greater than. But you um, also see guys like that that have a the vision like the you know yeah. it's that I can see this whole it's a it, to me it's a like especially with Devin Sounds and it's yeah. always felt like it was much more uh, vision based writing yep. than than auto uh, audio based writing. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just got a much different sort of feel to it when it in the end product you know yeah but it seems like you guys have a bit of that vision as well in the way that you've been able to organize this new album in these like movements you yeah know? but you have to have something to work with in order to be able to see the final shape like people have really enjoyed the way we present albums now there's a theme there but that's a presentation theme I'm not going to say, oh, I sat down one day and came up with this idea and the album was 
wrote from that. I don't actually believe that happens. I'm not sure, unless you're a genius like, say, a classical composer like Mozart Mozart or something, for example, I don't think anybody truly has a theme, unless it's like a lyrical theme like, say, going back to Devin Townsend, Ziltoid, for example. But that's something different. That doesn't dictate the music. What we've done is the music directs us slightly. We have an idea that is spawned from the not just emotions but the um, just the concepts that it springs up in our minds like the whole idea of things changing and um, so for example everything that we've been through was something that we wanted to somehow represent and then we realized oh hang on there's going to be we could split this into four movements and we could do an artwork that um, artwork pieces that work with that and at first it's funny you know the this album probably wouldn't work if it was in a different order. And that's really weird. You know, I mean, the songs are good on their own, but you stick them together, they, they seem to need it to be in the order they're in. Uh, I, you hear a lot of albums where it's just, oh, you put the singles first and then the fillers later. Uh, but I, I don't listen to those albums more than once or twice. You know, I'll start to listen to just one or two songs. Um, I think I find it maybe a mark of the success of the album that a lot of people we speak to well fans I'm sure they're going to be very gracious about what we do but um, fans will say yeah I have to listen to the whole album I think that's wonderful because that's what I enjoy doing and I wish more musicians and non-musicians could have the time to do that you know so that's where the presentation is it's almost a bit extreme that we're trying to force you to listen to it in a certain way but then again maybe you'll go on the journey that we're trying to the journey of the story we're trying to tell. Yeah, it's, a, it's a unified idea, you know, yeah, instead definitely. of just a blip in time, a three minute and a half blip yeah, in time, you know. For sure, man. And, yeah. and that creates a whole different structure for the listener and for. Yeah, I know. mean, some of our favorite albums are like, for example, Dark Side of the Moon yeah, by Pink Floyd. Say. That's a rare example where there's a theme where they said, we're going to write a song about this, a song about this, a song about. This. But the, they didn't necessarily write the music to that idea, it was the lyrics, you know. But even the lyrics on this album, the theme has kind of spawned through, say, my understanding of Ash's lyrics. Um, and I spoke of Ash about that, and we balanced the song titles and to make it all kind of... They're, they're like ch- ch- chapter titles in a novel. You know, they, They're kind of leading you on a story without telling you too much, so you hopefully come up with your own idea of things as well as... Um, accepting the guidance that we might be giving you but just because we made the music doesn't mean you should experience it in the same way that we uh, have made it and it's great hearing people's different interpretations I mean don't get me wrong I get some crazy interpretations (laughs) Um, but then again I get some people that come up and go I really like the music it's great and to me that's as good a um, compliment as I really enjoyed the way you did this with the song and you know really go in minute details you know if somebody's got a smile on their face that's the ultimate goal of the album and you know i hope we can do that forever that's that that age-old trap that we get into it's like what does that song mean where does that come from it's like <laughs> well okay ask me that question well no no that's the thing is that i <laughs> no, refuse basically it? the return question is what does that song mean exactly just and, and answer that's it yourself man yeah, it's what you take away from it. Yeah, you know what you. That's get the exciting it. bit. Yeah. All the different versions that people think the song's about. Like, we got a song called April on one, 
and it is very specific because Dan used to be a police officer and it's about a very specific case when he was working as a community um, police officer and so I will never tell anybody exactly what it's about because it would be very disrespectful to the people involved because it's horrific but it's amazing that people have managed to actually grasp on to the actual meaning and you know when they come up to me and say oh is it about this and you go uh, I'm not going to quite tell you, but yeah. But then you have other people that have totally got the wrong end of the stick, and you you feel should I correct them? Because you know it's not about the singer enjoying rape. You know it's not cool. You know it's just, we're not like that, man. You know it's uh, yeah. Whoa. So what's the dynamic with, with you and Ackle in the band? I mean, are you guys... Is that how I pronounce it, by the way? Yeah, that's Ackle. All right, so what's the dynamic between the two of you guys as far as, like, I don't know, leadership sort of dictating where things go, how Basically, I, I learned quite a long time ago never to force Ackle to do anything because he actually gains um, inertia if you do that. He stops doing anything if you try to push him. Uh, so... He's the genesis of everything, you know. I mean, we discuss concepts, and then he'll go away and come back with that concept, which I find really exciting. Like, I'll talk about something music, like a musical motif. Um, for example, in Concealing Fate Part 1, we do this transition where we use... We go from one tempo to another with no um, indication, except for we accent the tempo of the second tempo in the first tempo by using just different, um, like the semi-quavers are accented on every three, and that gives the tempo of the next one. So it's, and all we were talking, that's called um, uh, metric modulation. And we were just talking about that idea. Then Ackle came back and he'd nailed it. He'd never heard of it before. And he just, but he just nailed the idea because he's a bit like that. I suspect he's a little bit special. You know, he's, he's got <laughs> skills that the rest of us don't. Um, but then some of the best musicians I know are like that. Like Devin Townsend's very special, you know. Um, so it's it's pretty cool to um, work with Ackle because once he's got the uh, the spark, goes off and he goes further than you could ever imagine, which is cool. He'll then bring like an idea to to me, to Jay, the drummer, and um, to James and Ash, and we'll we'll do one or two things. We either discuss it there and then or we'll actually try and make it happen in the studio live and then that's when the inspiration starts you know he'll get something from what we do because uh, very often I'll change the bass parts a little uh, or Jay will change the drum parts or even what Ash has decided to sing over it will change the vibe entirely so it's very much starting with Ackle comes to the band and then we'll go back to Ackle and then I'll start working on specific production ideas with him like I mean I, I'm a great fan of stuff like Michael Jackson's production it's, there's so much going on you wouldn't believe um, and very lucky to in fact have been tutored by somebody who's worked with him so I kind of it's a direct line there and it so I'll try to implement as many of these cool little tricks and ideas that keep you wanting to come back to the album. You know, like just little changes that you won't notice unless, I, unless we tell you about it. Uh, but they're like standard production tricks. And then that's when we really start to go head-to-head -head on things. We'll be like, all right, I think this should happen. You know, you should change the EQ on this. And 
So the production starts fairly early on, actually. You know, we really get into it because, you know, it always spawn a musical idea for Ako and then spawn a production idea for me. And then we'll be trying to battle to get those to work all in the same song. Um, so it can be quite exciting, but it can also be quite lengthy. Does that production, those production ideas affect the live performances as well in any yeah. way? Yeah. Yeah, we try to implement as much as we can. And in fact, uh, the guy we work with in the in Europe, our um, sound engineer, is almost a producer engineer, for a uh, live producer, sorry. He, he will do things that we've talked about that we did on in the studio. And because we're very close friends, you know, we're always chatting on email and that. And he'll try and emulate some of the stuff that's going on in the studio in the various uh, venues that we play, which from a geeky point of view is awesome and I'm sure the crowd don't consciously realize it but I'm, I'm hoping they're affected by it um, in some ways otherwise we're wasting our time but uh, I'd imagine that they're actually um, I mean we're not trying to be like the album on stage because we, we actually fans of the music will notice when they come to see us live it's a little heavier and there's little little bits here and there that just make it slightly more exciting on stage um, like I'll change a bass part or a guitar part or and even the vocal the, the melodies are 95% the same but maybe Ash will just do something slightly different you know and it could be something that he only does there and then that night but that's what's fun you know we can go you know we've we've done something that we've experimented a little maybe it doesn't work but if it does work we'll keep doing it every night that's why you go to a live performance yeah i mean this is one of the reasons why we did the dvds because we wanted to show people that these things have actually developed quite a bit um and we want to show you where we're at now and sometimes that's happened as the album gets released and we're like oh we've actually been playing this stuff for a year now and we've changed it a bit we do this with it now we really want to share this with you guys um do you ever want to go back? All the time, every single. Day. <laughs> as soon as as soon as it's mastered, we're like, oh, can we do this? No, no, we can't really. We've already handed it in, and ah, uh, oh, shit. You know? <laughs> but it's got to be tempting. I mean, especially with yeah. I mean, got a new vocalist. You know, yeah. to go and redo old material with a new yeah, voice on this it. this is it. I mean, there is a time when you need to close the door. But that being said, we may do renditions that are like say we do acoustic versions in the future of stuff they may be of older tracks you know because the way Ash performs some of the stuff that um, Dan recorded is amazing and the way he performs some of the stuff that Elliot recorded as well is fantastic so maybe definitely with a live DVD DVD we will get to um, explore that Um, that's kind of I think where we will uh, whet that appetite by you know going back and doing a DVD or a live DVD just to get it out of our systems right? yeah, so, yeah. but certainly some fans wanted a new version of one but we're like that is very much a picture of what happened then Altered State is a picture of what's happening now and whatever we do in the future will be then but it's always going to be in motion it's always going to be changing but uh, try to enjoy that snapshot there and then you know Back when you're paying hundreds of dollars an hour for studio time on two-inch yeah, tape, yeah. it's you know okay, it's easy to close that door. Yeah. But yeah, when you got your laptop sitting in front yeah. of you and you can tweak till yeah, you can over tweak for sure. And there are times where I look back at demos and think, let's use that instead, you know, or yeah, even even if it's wrong, let's use it. It feels right. A lot of bands you see are doing more of an EP structure. 
Yeah. You know, where instead of, like, you got the three movements on the new yeah. album, instead yeah, yeah. of each, mo- the whole thing is a one piece, yeah. each movement might be an EP or you know, something. I mean, Have you ever thought about, like, changing the structure of the way that you guys release it? Yeah, I mean, it. I guess it depends on, because, I'm, you know, we're working with labels at the moment, so... Um, I mean, they you gotta like go by what they you know. Well, we have to come to a compromise, yeah. you know, because otherwise they wouldn't be working with us, you know. Um, uh, I suppose we could do that if that's what the label wants, or if we decide to go independent in the future. But I, d- I really don't know. I mean, that makes touring slightly difficult because you do, sh- you just can't get the same level of coverage from like press are only interested in an album really maybe that'll change you know oh it will very yeah soon. I mean maybe there'll be like there was a band in the UK called Ash that only wanted to release singles and it made so much sense for them and then say 18 months down the line they'd release a best of the last 18 months but that's cool because they were already playing stadiums <laughs> for a band like us you know we're playing you know 500 to 1000 cap rooms in actually in America that's pretty cool um but playing that size, uh, we still need to have a really large body of work to get people interested in us, to cover us, to support us, and to promote us to the general public. Are Century Media happy with you guys? As far as I know, yeah. <laughs> Why? Is this something you know that I don't? <laughs> this is a leading question. Yeah. No, we do, we do pretty well, actually, especially uh-huh. considering that we're not traditional Century Media um, fair when you think about it you know we're very different to their the rest of their catalog um for example we don't have a female fronted screamer you know that seems to be the thing at the moment i was looking at everything that was released going damn do we need to uh, get some vaginas involved here what's going on you know well, do it it up on ash it, yeah if ash didn't work out <laughs> i mean <laughs> you want to play slightly bigger venues that's yep. one way to do it yeah he needs to get some metal chicks involved yeah <laughs> I don't think our partners would like that at all. You know, it's bad enough being away from home, let alone with girls. They'd be like, what are you doing? <laughs> well, I know you guys were at Soundwave recently. Yeah, that was and awesome. We're, we're m- mourning the passing of Odorous Uranga. Man, do you know what was crazy? I got a... Um, we were sat next to him. Like, well, sat next to the whole of Gore having just dinner like two weeks before. Um and obviously we went to go and see Gore because I've seen them before and I know it's just a, the most intense party and you can never be guaranteed on what the hell the guy is going to say and even backstage he was totally in character and this my best memory now of um, Odorous is basically him sat on the back of a golf cart in Perth perhaps uh, forgive me guys if I'm wrong with that one but backstage shouting just at people going you're disgracing the the memory of Bon Scott. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, get me to the stage. It was so good. It's incredible. And all of us, uh, you know, if you're going to take something good from a guy, that pretty much nails it. He he knew exactly the buttons to push wherever he was, and he knew exactly what was going on. And it's like, cool. I'm in Australia. I'm in Perth. I'm going to absolutely nail this. Um, uh, you know, because Bon Scott's hometown, I think. If I've just said totally wrong facts, <laughs> I'm real sorry about that, guys. But, but, he, but he's like, he was willing to do it one fan at a time. Yeah, yeah. It's just the best, man. And yeah, it's 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 a shame, you know, but I, I, 
it's, it's a real hard life that we everybody talk, lives, you know? Yeah, we talked with him in the fall, but as Odorous, and we had talked yeah. about, we got to get him on as Brocky. We got to do... It's not going to happen, is it? Man? Well, now it's not, yeah. yeah. <laughs> was, he, was he willing to do it? I think at some point that was going to yeah. happen. But yeah. It's, he, he, uh, everybody wants to know. The, yeah. You wanted to know the man behind the mask, for sure. But yeah. if we were to redo the interview with Odorous, the question we'd ask him, which is what I'd ask you now, is, cool. how you feeling? You feel okay? Do you I know mean, what? Do, we, we, do I need to ask healthy. any of these sort of big life no. questions? No, not at all. Case? I mean, I got everything I need today. I got good food, got a sold-out gig. I mean, the only thing I'm missing right now is coffee. I understand I can get coffee from next door, so I'm happy. You know what I mean? It's You'd be surprised how simple life can be sometimes, you know.
new music from Conquering Dystopia. I had no idea who they were until one of my listeners of my terrestrial radio show hit me up on them, and I was like, what the fuck is this? Oh, okay. Jeff Loomis of uh, of Nevermore, Alex Webster, Cannibal Corpse, uh, and uh, it's their instrument, new instrumental project uh, called Conquering Dystopia that's Ashes of Lesser Men. All I got to say song. is if you are a metal vocalist looking for a job, take those recordings Sing over them and I, throw I can't them up do a on death YouTube. Metal vocal. I can do a pig's wheel, but do I can't the do a wheel on it. I'll bet you it sounds fine. No, yeah. pig's wheel's so 2006, man. It's, so what? Know. It might be it's coming back around again. <laughs> the cycles are a little faster than yeah. they used to be. Yeah, um, it might be true. <laughs> that is possible. I've got a decent pig's wheel, but I've never been able to do the death metal thing. I think it'd be great to have people. You know, there were people who used to do that with white stripes, where they would record their bass parts with the white stripes, and it, you know. Made it sound better sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. I think the same sort of goes for that. I, I don't know personally. I'm just not sold on the instrumental stuff. See, I, I, I'm, I don't have a problem with the instrumental stuff actually. And but the the difference is with this is I think this is a little more. Well, I don't want to say it's more noodly than blotted science because that's all over the place too. But that's the other one of the other projects that Alex Webster is in uh-huh. uh, with uh, Jarzombic uh, and uh, isn't that sort of a hint to the rest of the guys in Cannibal Corpse? They need to work a little more often. Well, no, I mean, I think that they can they can kind of sit back and do it. I think Webster is just, I think Webster is in demand. Uh, you know, they just people want him. Yeah, but he's the only guy in the band doing a boatload of side projects. Either that or he just likes to do stuff. Maybe maybe we need to get Alex Webster on because maybe he hates death metal. Ooh, oh, Ooh. oh. <laughs> well, wouldn't that be interesting? It's like, I'm in one of the most influential death metal bands of all time, but I hate fucking death metal. And you know how we start that interview? Alex, we hear you hate death metal. <laughs> and then just watch it's, where it goes. see what happens. Because, like, you know, you do uh, that. No. <laughs> Every once in a while you hear that. They, they'll respond with something like, where'd you hear that? Hey, man. <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> did you talk to so-and-so? Make them suffer. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> As a matter of fact. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. They totally told us about it. Man. Yeah. Well, uh, we got to wrap this thing up. We're running long, of course, as always in this damn podcast. That's what we do. Uh, but make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, you can just search Metal Sucks Podcast. You will find us on iTunes and subscribe to it so that it comes right to your device every week. May, or you can tune in right here on MetalSucks.net uh, oh, yeah. on Mondays. And um, follow us on Twitter and all that good stuff. I am at Bearded Ape. And I'm at Godless Speaks. And he tweets a, a shitload more than I do. Yeah, but we got almost the same number of followers. Um, it's because people like the fact that I don't tweet, yeah. I, I think is what it is. They're like, oh, thank God. Uh, at least only one of them tweets. But uh, follow, you can follow us both on Twitter and, uh, you know, send me your Megadeth tattoos. <laughs> Dude, I totally want to see that. <laughs> or if you got a badass Iron Maiden one, because I'm a huge Maiden fan, and I've been thinking about doing an Eddie thing or for any, a long like, time. Or any, like, band. Or band tattoos. Like, that, send your band-related tattoos. Yeah, That'd that, be awesome. That, no, but it's got to be one that, like, you kind of regret or is so bad that you're or, proud of because it's, it's so, so bad. good that you're proud of. I'm fine. Send any band, band I tattoos. I don't see any ones that people are proud of. Uh, dude, hey, come on, man. I want to see them the right reasons. I like people. You hate people. I like people. And I like you. I Thank just like you for it when I get to la- I mean when I get to laugh at people that's great. If I get to laugh with people that's even better. Okay. Oh, that's see that's a, that's the best sentiment I think you've had in 47 <laughs> episodes that we've uh, that, that we've done so far. <laughs> But thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back next week with, um, I don't know, what are we going to put on next week's episode? Oh, you know what I'm voting for. You want Behemoth, don't I you? I do. You want Behemoth bad. Dude, that's, that's, like, like, that's the whole reason why I'm holding it back right now. Oh, man, yeah. Why? Oh, okay. Nergal from Behemoth. We'll do that next week on the Metal Sucks Podcast. <laughs>